0: there are these two young fish swimming along and they happen to meet an older fish swimming the other way who nods at them and says morning boys how's the water and the two young fish swim on for a bit and then eventually one of them looks over at the other and goes what the hell is water i'm don hall and this is the peculiar journeys podcast Your Journeys is a weekly storytelling podcast designed to see the water that surrounds us. Your journeys. This is episode 55, Millennium Park Stories. We have heard a lot of good stories, I think, so far up to this season, but this is, I think, the story that takes the cake. It's the biggest, it's one of the most unique experiences that I can say I've ever had. And I can say that in the history of Millennium Park, it's very rare. Um, in fact, I think it only ever happened one other time where we had to completely evacuate the entire park, about 10,000 people um, for safety in a very, very short period of time. Now, so this is what it is. Now, the policy is pretty simple. The poli- and I got the policy day one in April when they hired me. I went ahead, I got the, uh, the, the, the front of house procedure book i read through everything and i realized okay the evacuation procedure is kind of a big deal and so i memorized it that was one of the very first things i memorized knowing that i may never have to use it but it's always good to you know be prepared that's the whole point especially when you have thousands and thousands of people at your you know that are in your charge so to speak so the policy is pretty simple they showed a video and the video showed that uh, rain they will have uh, at every every concert in Millennium Park, no matter what it is, rain or shine, always going to do a, sh- a show, even if it's raining. However, if thunder and lightning is present, that's when things get a little nuts. And that's when we have to evacuate the park. So, the reason for that is they showed us a video of lightning striking. You have to understand that uh, the lattice work over the lawn, over the Great Lawn, is entirely metal and the giant petals that are above the Millennium Park stage, the Pritzker stage, is entirely metal. And when lightning strikes it, what they showed us is when lightning strikes the lattice work above, it splits and, you know, several bolts of lightning will hit the lawn, directly on the lawn. If it hits the pedals on the stage, just above the stage, it will bounce off and go into the seating bolt. So it's, it's very dangerous. So the policy in place is that uh, and this is how it's supposed to work we see that thunder and you know we see thunder we see lightning we check in with the office of emergency management they say lightning's on your way generally have 10-15 minutes before you know it's good so you have to talk to the stakeholders in the concert let them know that they need to finish whatever song they're doing or whatever part of their presentation they're going to do then um, what I do as a front-of-house manager is I'm going to then reposition my ushers so that they are there to guide people into the parking garage. Um, security has their protocol, which is pretty similar, that kind of stuff. And then we have our off-duty officers that are there to help you know, mitigate that, uh, that evacuation. That's generally what happens. Then we go uh, one of our D-case Representatives, so whoever's the D case representative, is going to get up on stage, and then read a script that is a, a pre, you know, an agreed upon script that is part of the package. Read a script that basically, very calmly, explains to everybody we are evacuating the park. Now there's one of two things that we do, and we have two different scripts. One script basically says we're going to evacuate. There's thunder and lightning coming, it is a danger to the public. Don't no panic. We've got plenty of time. But what we're gonna do is we're now gonna evacuate into the parking garage off the east side of the stage, and we're going to give it a few minutes. And if the you know, and ultimately if the thunder passes, the the, the lightning passes over and everything's safe, we will continue the concert. The second one is we're evacuating the entire park, and you go through either the, the parking garage to the far uh, southeast, or go through the east parking garage to the street or to the pedway. That's pretty much it. It's very simple, um, and everybody should know how to do that. So that's not always, uh, I think, I think it's one of those things when you're not fully prepared. Everybody, everybody takes a little time to, to, to kind of know the information. But if you don't know the information, you don't think you're ever going to use it, well, it kind of goes off you know goes one in here and out the other you've got other things you're thinking about it's not a big deal uh until it's a big fucking deal well so it was the chicago jazz fest it was friday night and diane reeves was the headliner and so far we'd had no rain there had been no rain it was very cloudy um it was hot but it was cloudy it wasn't terribly windy Didn't see any, you know. There was just, it was one of those nights where we just didn't think, you know. They said there was a chance of rain. I want to say it was like a 30% chance of rain. Not a big deal. And concerts going on, and my wife, Dana, decides she's going to come. And she's hanging out on the lawn, and I'm checking in on her, and the music is great. We've got some great bands playing and everything else it's time for Diane Reeves come up all this so now we've got you know and it's packed there's about maybe it's not totally packed but it's about 10,000 11,000 people that are in the park listening to the jazz there to hear Diane Reeves and as we're doing things we're just kind of taking care of things making sure everybody's not dancing in the aisles making sure everybody's safe and you know that kind of stuff just kind of doing my thing and uh and I see some, th- I see lightning. I see, I see lightning in the sky, which I was not expecting. And immediately, Marlena Carlson, who you've heard from, she she radios me and she says, I, I see lightning. I said, yeah, I saw that as well. So I call Micah. Uh, Micah Lane is in charge of MB Realty, who's in charge, they're in charge of the, all the operations in the park. And I call Micah and I said, I just, myself and, and one of my uh, ushers just saw lightning so we need to like can you call the office of the you know emergency management and find out exactly where it's at because I'm looking at my phone and it doesn't look like it's I mean it looks like it's there's there's red you know in the in the radar but I don't know of how close it is or if it's gonna pass over us You know, just give me a call let me know and I'm fully prepared if he calls me back and says yeah we've got rain you know we've got lightning coming our way to go with the procedure except that he calls about a minute and a half later with a sound in his voice and he says Don we have to evacuate the park right now I'll meet you backstage I mean okay okay so I get off the phone and I bolt to backstage Um, and I'm not quite sure what's going on and then Micah comes back we grab Frank Lewis who is running things And basically, we have to close off now. We are going to have lightning on top of us in in a matter of minutes. So I immediately go on, because I know I don't have time to allocate my my ushers. There's There's just simply no time. There's too many people in the bowl. So I just let my ushers know get ready be prepared don't panic we are going to have to evacuate the bowl we're going to have to evacuate the park but it's going to happen very quickly so do not reallocate just just make sure everybody gets to the parking garage and that's what I said we turn we look Frayn is a little, I mean, he wasn't prepared for this. And Micah didn't have the speech. So nobody has the speech. I've got the speech on my phone and I hold my phone up. And I said, does anybody want to, who's going to read the speech to the audience? And I have it on my phone, but everybody was in such a raw panic. So Frayn just kind of goes out to the, to the microphone and they're still playing the song. They're still playing, they're still in the midst. They haven't been told to stop playing. So the audience isn't even paying attention to Frayne. And effectively Frayne's, I mean, I gotta give him, you know, at least he made an announcement, but his announcement was just shy of run. He basically tells everybody to go to safety, go to the bathrooms, go to the arcades of the bathrooms, go to the parking garage, but to evacuate the park and and, and go quickly. Well, as he's saying this, which is not the right thing to say, but as he's saying this, all of a sudden from the south end of the lawn, you see a wall. A wall of fucking rain. It is it, it was almost biblical. It was it was so much fucking rain all at once, and you can see it just coming straight for us. And then all of a sudden we are just just, just pouring. It is just like Biblical rain, all of us. And you see the park. And as if you were standing on stage, where I was standing on the stage, you see as the water hits the park, the audience start running and splitting on either side like the Red Sea. And it hits the bowl and everybody runs toward the front, which is the worst place you can be because you're now right under, you're not getting rained on. But man, if lightning hits, you're going to die. Just wait, it's going to be. Somebody's going to get killed. So immediately go into that. I immediately I, I, I text Dana very quickly and say, if you can meet me at the east side of the stage, be there, I have stuff to do. And I immediate. I'm now I'm getting soaked, but I've got stuff to do. So I'm up on the stage and and, and I'm I'm trying to help direct. Now I know nobody should be going to either the east or west arcade. That's where the bathrooms are located, because there are no exit points there. So you cannot pack people in there. The only place you can go, and I know this is the parking garage. Unfortunately, I'm the only one that knows this. I'm it, the one guy. I don't have a microphone. So we're just trying to get everybody to very, very, you know, and people don't want to get out in the rain. They don't want to get wet. So they're trying to hide by the stage. They're trying to get to the stage, which is not where they need to be. So we're very slowly. At a certain point, as I'm trying to direct people, I'm trying to direct people, and I'm talking to my, I'm constantly talking to my ushers on the radio saying, make sure they do not go to the bathrooms. I'm I'm doing my best. And be safe and just go with them and take care of people. And we're going to get everything I, a couple of the off-duty officers show up and they help me they look to me because they know I know what I'm doing and they, they they're like how are we gonna do this and I said, this is what we got to do well at that point it was too late to completely guide people people weren't listening they had heard go to the bathroom so there were uh, probably 3,000 people that went directly into either side of the arcade bathrooms And then a bunch of people, you know, went, uh, you know, I'm gonna say probably another 6,000 went directly where we told them to go, which is the parking garage, except there were no signs. There were no signs and nobody knew if they were coming back. We didn't tell them that we were completely evacuating the park or if we were just waiting until the rain passed. We didn't tell them, so they didn't know. And there were no signs telling them how to get to the street should they need to. So all hell is breaking loose. We're getting everybody out. At a certain point, I see Shonda and one very large white woman who's not going to fucking move. She's just not going to move. And Shonda is trying to get her to move. She is determined, and I'm sure part of it is she was very large. She had a cane. The the thing she did, she she would probably in her mind is like, I'd rather just get wet than have to walk. But she had to leave. And at one point, one of the off, off-duty officers, one of my ODOs, comes down and he's like, you're going to move or I'm going to move you. And so she goes with Shonda and so we, we got the bowl cleared. And I want to say we got the bowl cleared within 10 minutes, easily um, because everybody was soaked and wanted to get out of the rain, which is fine. So now I got to get everybody out of the arcades and out of the parking garage. I gotta, you know. So I go to Micah and I'm like, All, what are we doing? And everybody's in, in kind of a raw panic. I check. Um, at one point, I check to make sure my wife is backstage. She's hiding behind a door. I get her out from behind the door. Mark Kelly, the commissioner, is handing out uh, ponchos. And we're just we're just basically making everybody is a little bit freaked out. So I asked Bryce, are we canceling the concert or not? He said, yes, we're absolutely canceling the concert. So I go in. At that point, I don't even know. I know my ushers are kind of huddled, but I'm kind of too busy to even think about that, so I start going in, and I realize that the people don't know. They have no idea what the fuck is going on, so I start barking, trying to get everybody's attention as best I can, and and I've got a very loud voice, so my bark carries, letting them know that the concert is indeed canceled, it will not be rescheduled, and everybody needs to leave the park, but they cannot go through the park itself that they're gonna to have to go uh, through the parking garage and either take the elevator up to seven, which is the street, Randolph, or down to two, which is the Pedway, and that will take them across the street to Randolph. So I'm explaining this to thousands of people, and people are trying to get directions to places, and how do I get to through Maggie Daly, and, and, and I'm doing the best I can, but it's just me. I wanna say, at a certain point, I've probably directed several thousand people through that area and finally uh, a couple of the off-duty officers find me and they didn't even know I was back there and they said you need some help I said fucking I need some help tell them this is where they go they're gonna go to 7 if they want to get on to Randall Street but they cannot go through here so we do that for another five minutes you know and so then I come walking over and I see that the East Arcade or the bathroom there's 1,500 people just inches from each other they're just packed like sardines and they don't know what to do so now I start dragging them gesturing for them to come out and go through the parking garage and the odios will you know help them out so now we're getting everybody out of that arcade and so that takes another probably 10 minutes so about 35 minutes I guess somewhere around there has has gone by and I look over at Vince who is in charge of security and I said okay It looks like we've gotten the parking garage and the East Arcade cleared. Did you guys get the West Arcade? And he went, Oh, no. I've shit. So I take, I haul off, I run across the bowl to the West Arcade because there have been people, you know, I'm just assuming, and I was right. 1,500, 2,000 people just crammed in here with no idea what they're going to do. There was a whole line of people that were in wheelchairs that refused to move. And I understand they're in wheelchairs. But that caused a huge sort of uh, blockade. And there were about 12 police officers that were just kind of standing there making sure nobody left. But they didn't know what to do. So I come in and I immediately look at the cops and I say, okay, I need four of you guys to go to that and this is what we're going to do. So we're going to get everybody out. They're going to go directly that way and through to Michigan Avenue. And one guy says, who are you? I said, I'm Don Hall, the front of house manager. He goes, Donnie, all right, let's go. And they all went into action. And so that took another eh, seven minutes to get every, because people didn't want to go out. They were afraid they're going to get struck by lightning, this kind of thing. At one point as people are going out, this older woman comes up and she says, I'm not leaving. I said, well, you have to leave. You have to go to Michigan Avenue. She said, I'm not leaving. My chair is out there. And what had happened was a ton of people as they, you know, just to escape the rain, left their lawn chairs and their blankets and their, you know, picnic stuff. They left it all sitting out on the lawn. And this woman, fuck me, is not leaving until she gets her goddamn lawn chair. And I and it's dark, the lights aren't on, there's lightning in the sky, it's raining like a motherfucker, and she wants her goddamn chair. And she's not. There's, I mean, I couldn't have, it's too big for me to have like fireman carried her. So she's not leaving until she gets her chair. So what's it look like? She goes, it's blue and red. It's right there. It's right there in the middle of the lawn. So I just take off running. I just bolt. Soaked to the bone. Grab her chair, run it back, fold it up, give it to her. I said, "Now, please get to Michigan Avenue." So we finally clear all that out, and so now everything has been—you know—everything's basically now calmed down. And so I get on the radio and I say, "Any, uh, any ushers, uh, sound off. I need to know that you're all okay." Uh, every usher. Uh, except for Peggy they were all huddled into the east stage area where we actually have our staging areas where we do a briefing where our our, what we call the usher cabinets were. it's where my wife was it's where Mark Kelly was a whole bunch of people were kind of but all of my ushers were kind of just there wet kind of waiting to find out what was gonna go on at this point my voice is fried I don't think I've ever been that wet Um, and I hear Peggy Peggy's in the north promenade tent with a whole bunch of people who they, you know, they just went straight up the stairs and went to the tent still raining, so I said, Peggy stay where you're at, I'll come get you we don't leave, no man left behind and so I, I, I hopped my ass over there and I helped the security folks evacuate probably another 500 people that were in this particular tent and they all leave the, the thing and the security guards are good, they didn't really know what to do but they're, you know, following her I take Peggy back, we go through the Pritzker and I walk in and one of the things Sharon Summer said that it was like a movie for her was that nobody knew where I was at nobody knew I was going on and here I come just looking like a, a drowned rat uh, coming in and I walk in and I go is everybody okay <laughs> and everybody turns to me and everybody's okay and so then it's now the process of sort of just so I'm I'm, I'm like making sure that my ashes are all good. I get them to sign out. They've got all their stuff. They're all safe. The the lightning had stopped. It was still raining, but the lightning had passed. So now we were a bit more now now we were in safety. And uh, you know I, I it was just one of those situations where I realized that. That no one knew the pot no one knew the procedure, and everybody for some reason, one reason or another, were looking to me to kind of give them guidance, which it did. But I mean the adrenaline, I was just imagine having a 50 pound Snickers bar and that sugar high that then drops. I hit a wall of exhaustion I had not felt. Not in my adult life. And Dana looks at me and she goes, are you going to be okay to drive? I said, yeah, I'll be, I'll be fine, I'll be fine. And I look at Micah and I talk to Vince and I talk to Abby and we're kind of you know, we're kind of wrapping things up. We're making sure everybody gets out of the park. Um, frames, yeah, everybody's, everybody's a little frazzled, but everybody's like, all right, we got it. I've, there's still some stragglers. Uh, then I realized that all my uh, usher racks with the programs are all out in the park. Because my ushers are, I had already released my ushers, so I said, "All right, I hold on." And so I went out in the park in the rain and grabbed, uh, and actually that was one of the things that was nice that one of one of uh, one of my ushers had still stuck around, and she was like, "Yeah, you need some help." So the, between the two of us, we pulled out six more uh, and pulled those back, and I mean, dumped soaking wet programs because they just turned tail and ran. And I didn't, I don't blame them. That's what I told them to do. Got that taken care of, got everything good. Dana and I get in the car, we go home. I'm pretty sure the five days of Jazz Fest, I would have had plenty of energy. I would not have worn out. But when I added that Friday night, and as tired as I was, because then I had to be at the park the next morning at 6 a.m., I mean, that last Sunday of Jazz Fest I was so tired. I was a dead man walking all day long and uh, you know it was just a matter of just like going and perching someplace and just listening to the music because I just didn't have the energy to do anything else. What I can say that I loved about the experience I mean at the time I would not say that I would wish that I would not wish that on my worst enemy but what I can say is it kind of completed my training. I got to do something that almost no other house manager, and I would I would argue very few house managers anywhere in the United States have ever had to deal with, is evacuating almost single-handedly. I mean, I had help, but only after the fact, and I was pretty much directing things, I got to evacuate an entire park. Not one injury, not one major problem. No one lost anything. Really expensive. Yeah, sure, there were some people that lost some of their picnic stuff, but nobody lost. As far as I know, there were no reports of phones. There were no reports of theft. Nobody got hurt. Wow. And it was a truly intense experience. And that is... Peculiar Journeys, episode 55, Millennium Park Stories. That is the story of the evacuation of Millennium Park. It was, uh, of all the stories that I can tell, that's probably the most unique of the entire summer. Um, And uh, I'm I'm still to this day, it's like, you know, how do you put that on your resume? I don't know. Um, Evacuated the park. That's not really a resume point, but it is something that I will hold close and and I'm uh, again, it's one of those things, and I, I said this not too long ago in a class I was teaching, is that one of the reasons they hired me was, I, I'm pretty sure, was that they asked me what my you know, what my superpower was, what, what's, what's my strength as a front of house manager, and I said, well, I think my strength is that I can deco- I can compartmentalize my emotions very quickly in, in panic situations, I never panic, that I can just close that part of my brain off and just focus on getting things done until it's over and then I can release whatever emotional reaction that I have any anxiety or any kind of nervousness or any kind of panic feels that happens after everything's taken care of and then it doesn't matter and that I'm very good at that what I'm most pleased was is that that's not a bunch of bullshit that when I tell people that I've now been in you know a certain amount of ways i mean certainly not war but battle-tested by an evacuation of 10,000 people in chaos and I never lost my temper. I never freaked out. I just kept going until it was done. So I can say that when people ask me that and I tell them that, I know that I'm not full of shit. I'm telling the truth that I uh, I can, in fact, compartmentalize and I can get that kind of stuff done. So that was kind of a nice uh, lesson to have learned about myself. And it was an enormous, enormous task. Great experience at the end of the day. and uh, And we got thanked throughout, like, the next couple of days of jazz fest publicly thanked i had a ton of audience members come up and compliment me and talk about how you know if i hadn't been there they wouldn't have known what to do and it was it was a very gratifying experience all the way around so that was on top of it being jazz fest which is my favorite like my favorite event of all summer um i got to do that i i got to i had to i was forced to whatever you're going to do and that is episode 55 of Millennium Park Stories Peculiar Journeys. Um, I want to ask everybody if you're listening and you enjoy it, go ahead and go on to Apple podcasts and subscribe, rate, review. Give me, you know, just give me some feedback. Just let other people know if you like it, why you like it and why they should listen as well. I really appreciate that. If you want to go to patreon.com slash peculiar journeys, throw me a couple bucks every month. That would be great too. But with all that in mind, thank you so much for listening and you'll hear from me next week. Peculiar Journeys is a weekly storytelling podcast produced, voiced, and edited by myself in my apartment above a bar in Wicker Park, Chicago. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or catch it on SoundCloud or download it from DonHallChicago.com. You can assist Peculiar Journeys financially, if you can, by becoming a VIP patron on www.patreon.com slash Peculiar Journeys.